we were designed to eat plenty of plant food and we need a lot of these vitamins and minerals to support the way that our body functions. When I look at things, I want to be able to perform at my absolute best day in, day out right now. But then I also want to have longevity. I still want to be able to function and be healthy and have strong tendons and have a, a strong, capable mind and body when I'm old. You do need to have a wide variety of different things to help combat disease and degeneration. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PBN Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Lockie. On this week's episode, we have the incredible professional athlete, James Newbury. He has won the title of Australia's Fittest Man four times. He has also clinched the title of the fifth fittest on earth at the CrossFit Games. James has considered going vegan since 2013 and previously attempted a plant-based diet for several months. But in November 2019, he took to his Instagram to announce his decision to go fully vegan in an effort to help the animals and the planet. James has since completed some of the most impressive sporting feats. In December 2019, he completed his first ever distance Ironman, where he swam 2.4 miles, biked 112 miles and ran 26.2 miles in 10 hours and 14 minutes. James is an absolute legend. I love speaking to him and I know you guys will too. Please don't forget to comment, like and share and also leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps get the message out there. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for joining us on the show, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. So before we start talking about everything you're doing with your life now, we always like to ask our guests, how did they discover the plant-based lifestyle and where did it all begin for you? For me, I first sort of started looking into eating plant-based or vegan back in probably 2012 where I was competing, uh, doing CrossFit. At that particular time, I had just started. I was about a year into it. And I just met my still current girlfriend, Kayla, and we started, you know, looking into foods that would give us, um, you know, more nutrients, things that would increase health and performance and you're know, looking at like really nutrient dense foods and then we sort of stumbled upon a guy named Brendan Brazer and we started looking at what he was doing in the fitness space like with um, his his protein range and his supplement range and what he was doing with triathlon at the time way back when and that sort of kickstarted us into looking at you know trying to increase the amount of plant food that we ate and uh, we both we both tried it for a few weeks here and there and we I guess we were kind of looking at it from a performance and health aspect and you know along the way you you really need I feel like something needs to be very very deep seated for you to you know to do it and to do it well and to make sure you're getting the right the right amount of food for uh, especially for an athlete eating a lot a lot of food making sure it's nice and varied so it started back then and then it kind of like I did it you know once or twice and it never really stuck up until now and yeah now I've now I've been going over four months now and absolutely loving it but I think the reason for me now is is a little bit more uh, closer to home um, for me and I'm doing it for other reasons other than myself which will always make me do something a little more carefully and a, a little more um, committed. Hey guys so the big question is why have I decided to go vegan? And I've been getting a lot of messages about it and I really just wanted to explain it to you guys as best as I possibly could. Um, and I guess for me, ever since I was a little kid, I've really loved animals. Um, I never liked to see them in pain. I never liked to see them um, uncomfortable or, you know, distressed. And then, you know, I tried to do this a few years ago back in 2012 and I couldn't quite do it properly. My mind was focused on trying to compete and trying to do other things and I probably didn't give myself the right time or the right opportunity to learn about how to do it. And I probably didn't have anything uh, deep-seated enough to keep me on track to do it. Um, but after, for me, seeing you know, a lot of trucks hauling a lot of animals around in cl closed, confined spaces and and the way that it made me feel, I just didn't seem right to me. Just the process of making a shift away from animal products is never easy for, for it's not always easy for many people. For yourself and I think for others, it, it can be quite a process, a back and forth process sometimes. Do you want to talk a little bit about the challenges that you faced sticking with it? You know, have you faced any difficulties? I guess for everyone, like when you first change over and especially if, you know, you were brought up in a family that was, you know, eating animal-based products throughout your entire life. The instant that someone brings up 
to you, hey, maybe we should, you know, look at a different way to do things and go down a different path. And you're almost asking them to re relearn everything that they possibly know since the time that they were born. Fingers crossed they can jump straight into it, make it happen straight away. But I think the process of easing your way into, uh, you know, reducing your meat intake and reducing your animal product intake over the course of time sometimes serves as a better way to transition across unless you're a really cold turkey type of person that just, you know, can make it happen straight away. But I think what's ingrained into most people, and this is probably where I got unstuck too, is that, you know, I was fearful that I wouldn't be able to perform in my chosen career and my sport. I guess it's just taking the time um, and really looking at the essential things that we need to, to look at to optimize performance. And, you know, there have been so many cases so far where you can see people excelling and performing extremely well on a plant-based diet and a vegan diet. And, you know, after a particular period of time, it just kind of sunk into me. It's like, look, I can really do this. And how much does it mean to me? I, I think the, the probably the hardest the hardest thing that you need to get across is that you do need to take the time to understand what's in your food looking at all the different types of legumes and nuts and seeds and grains and figuring out where are you going to get all your nutrients from now it's also taking the time to do it but not doing it because you want to go and you know become a, a nutritionist or a naturopath or a dietitian or a, um, a nutritional doctor but doing it for your own for your own personal health but then you know, in the bigger picture, you're doing it for all the animals around the world and you're doing it for the environment. So, it, it's about asking people to go and, you know, almost take up study to figure out how they're best going to supply nutrients to themselves um, so they start to feel optimal and they don't feel like the diet is actually causing them issues down the track where if they just took a little bit of time to understand and learn, they'll feel like they can, you know, thrive on a, on a, on a plant-based diet. To me, working in is... I guess the opposite of working out, it's trying to find the yin to your yang. Um, and if we don't have that balance, things become out of whack. I look at it as finding or having a stress bucket and I can fill my stress bucket with things like working out and physical, physical activity and training. I can also fill my stress bucket with work and lifestyle and environmental stress um, and my thoughts. Um, but then I can also unload things out of my stress bucket by doing things like breathing practices and meditation and floating and stretching and being around good company and having conversation and doing things that give back energy rather than take away energy. For a lot of people though, that taking the time to understand and learn can be a bit of an overwhelming experience because Unfortunately, we live in an age, I think they call it, we call it the post-truth age, where there's so much false information out there that is kind of being peddled by media and industry-funded studies. There's a lot of young men and women out there who are questioning whether this lifestyle is safe or not, whether it's okay to feed your children a plant-based diet or whether you're an athlete and you can kind of be strong or whether it's all just about maintenance, you know, and just building, continuing what you had built on an animal-based diet. Have you got anything specific to say to sort of, you know, young people who are getting into sport and fitness who are kind of really afraid of making a change away from animal products? Yeah, totally. And I think that's probably where I first began was I wanted to make sure that I was able to compete and to compete well. I think if the one thing that making this transition has done for me, it's made me more conscious about the food that goes on my plate. And it's also made me learn to start eating a wider variety of, of plant food with lots of different colors, lots of different phytonutrients, making sure that my body is receiving all of, I guess, the building blocks to create a healthy environment inside my body to make sure my cells are working efficiently, making sure my mitochondria is working efficiently, making sure I can compete optimally. So, if I was to speak to myself when I was 16 or 17 years old and I wanted to get myself to compete at a higher level, it just would have been, you know, trusting the process, looking at some of the people that have done this before looking at some people that have absolutely thrived on a, on a plant-based diet and and then go and take the time to figure out what what all the foods that you're going to need to supply all the vitamins and minerals and all the protein and the carbohydrates and the fats and the phytonutrients that you're going to need 
for your body to be working optimally and you can 100% do it as long as you just take a little bit of time to do some study and some research and it needs to be it needs to be a priority in in my instance I I do this mainly my my first point of call is because I'm doing it because I don't want to be associated with any cruelty towards any animals um, secondly I also feel like we can have a huge environmental impact in a positive way by choosing this type of plant-based lifestyle and then thirdly I feel like the health implications long-term from eating meat and meat products or animal products can be detrimental to us. So I feel like if, if I look at it from a, a health standpoint, I'm, I'm giving myself every opportunity to thrive. I'm filling my body up with a wide variety of plant food and I'm kind of doing what we've always been told to do and that's like, you know, you want to fill your plate up with mainly plant food and if you look at most people's meals these days it's filled up with mainly animal products and it's kind of the opposite you know at the end of the day I think we could we can thrive on doing it but you just have to take the time to to consider your own health and it's like do you want to wake up feeling average or do you want to wake up feeling amazing and and being able to uh, you know attack the day and 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 get after all the goals that you want to be able to do and for me that's what I want I want to be able to still be surfing when I'm 75 years old I still want to be able to go for, for hikes and I still want to be working optimally and at the end of the day, it's making sure that you can supply your body with all the essential nutrients that can possibly need to combat disease and chronic disease and inflammation and also have the energy to be able to perform the career that you've chosen that makes you happy. And that for me, it's, it's competing in sport and teaching people the balance between you know fitness and um, so working out and working in and, and finding people's balance in that respect so people don't overdo their stress bucket and you know stress can come from a, a multitude of different areas whether it's environmental stress food stress um, work stress relationship stress or physical working out stress and it's just about finding that balance and I think by eating a plant-based diet for me has really allowed me to see that I can really decrease my stress bucket just by changing the way I eat. Amazing yeah and I think it's really something that people should just give a try, you know, give it a try, experiment, you know, try it for a month and see how you feel. Do you have more energy? Do you have less energy? Do you, how do you feel in the morning? How do you feel before, before you go to bed? How is your sleep patterns when you make these changes? Switch to a fully plant-based diet. Now, obviously, you know, there's a lot of different things out there to eat. You know, you go into the supermarket and if you've never eaten this way, it can be a bit of a challenge. What do I eat? You know, people think, people often say to me, you're vegans. What do you eat? Do you just live on grass? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, totally. You, you know, so, so talk us through the kinds of what's your average day look like when it comes to food? Basically, actually leading in, leading into this, um, I wanted to go through a, a quick fast. So, well, not a quick one, actually. I did a seven-day fast and that really was, you know, one of the trigger points for me to really get everything aligned and that was done in early December. So, I fasted for seven days and I did it in Bali where I was nice and relaxed and, and could, you know, take a bit of, a bit of a time to recoup and, and let everything that's kind of inside my body kind of detox out. And so, since being back, my, my daily eating routine somewhat looks um, like, you know, in the morning I would, you know, have some oats and I would usually jam pack my oats full of healthy fats and maybe a bit of MCT oil. I would probably put on some, um, some spirulina. What's, MC, what's MCT oil? So I would put on, so it's like, uh, like the medium chain triglycerides out of coconut, um, like okay. coconut oil. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'd put a little bit of that in there. Or I would just actually even just shot that myself and not have it in, in my food or just have it like have it on top of my food but not put it in inside my bowl of oats. But basically a bowl of oats, some chia seeds, some sesame seeds, some spirulina, maybe a little bit of chlorella and then I would maybe put some such an inchy protein just to bump up the protein just a little bit. So I'm getting a good portion of fats, carbohydrates and protein and then I'm also getting a ton of nice phytonutrients, vitamins and minerals. And and usually I top most of my meals with berries. I just absolutely love berries. So blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. And so I'll top it with something like that. And then if depending on, you know, the day or how I'm feeling, I kind of try and eat my carbohydrates and fats intuitively. So, you know, one day I'll feel more like sesame seeds or black sesame seeds. And one day I'll feel more like pepitas and I'll have pepitas. And then other days I'll feel more like hemp seeds. So I'll just usually just rotate those types of nuts and seeds around. Um, And then if I don't do MCT oil, 
I'll just put in, you know, a, a tablespoon or a teaspoon of almond butter or uh, sprouted pepita butter or, or something like that, or even just like shake some flax over the top. So I'm, I'm trying to get as wide variety of vitamins and minerals as I possibly could. So then I'll probably go and train. I would always have a coffee. I like to rotate my coffee milk. So I'll rotate between, say, oat milk, uh, macadamia milk and almond milk, um, just depending on what I feel for the day when I have my coffee. Basically, I'll train and work out. And then once I finish working out, I usually make this smoothie every day. And I'll usually have this smoothie probably two, three, or sometimes four times a day, just depending on how much training I have. But basically, the staple or the bulk of it will be 500 mils of coconut water. And then I'll put in there three to four bananas. I'll pop in some Himalayan salt. And then I'll do a little bit of creatine. And then I'll put in there some hemp protein and maybe a little bit of a mix of hemp and rice protein, um, sometimes some pea protein, just depending on what it is. And then I will, depending on if I'm going to eat again soon or not, I'll maybe put in some coconut cream as well. So I'll blend that up and I'll have that um, post-workout. And then from there, when I look at having lunch, like I might sit down to lunch and potentially have like, say, like a tempeh wrap. So I'll maybe make some some tempeh, cook up some tempeh, put it inside a wrap, maybe put some sprouts, um, maybe have a little bit of rice on the side as well or some sweet potato. Kayla makes some amazing air fried uh, sweet potato chips or some like regular potato chips. They're absolutely amazing. So maybe something like that, but basically something that can bump up my protein, give me some carbohydrates, give me some good quality fats, and then also look at getting in my microgreens as well. So things like sprouts and kale and then, you know, just buffering it with, you know, uh, coriander and other bits and pieces like that. And as many different types of herbs as I can, like basil and mint and et cetera, et cetera. Basically, then I'll, you know, making my way through for a snack. Um, my snacks will typically look like... Uh, maybe some, some quinoa crackers with a bit of peanut butter or some almond butter with a little bit of like chia jam. So just getting some chia, soaking it, getting it to get gelatinous and then, you know, crushing some, some raspberries or some blueberries and then mixing it all together and then popping that on a, on that a quinoa. Good. Yeah, just something like that. And then, you know, maybe and then, you know, topping it with some hemp seeds or something like that just to bump up your omegas for the day and a little bit of healthy fats. So then you're getting you know, a bit of fat, a bit of carbohydrate, you're getting some good, like, good vitamins and minerals in there. And then, you know, I don't particularly need to have extra protein at that meal, but depending on how much training I'm doing, I typically average around about 170 to 180 grams of protein a day. So just depending on what I'm doing. So I might even have that snack, you know, a couple of times a day. And if I do feel like I need the extra protein, then I might, you know, just chuck in a protein shake with it along, along with that as well. Dinner might look like something like a, uh, say, like a rice noodle bowl or a, uh, like an edamame noodle bowl that's got a bit of extra protein in the pasta or black bean pasta, something like that. And then we would maybe top it with some, you know, some uh, peanut sauce, silken tofu with just a bunch of microgreens. We grow a lot of herbs and, and, um, and lettuces and things like that in the backyard. So then we'll just go and pick as many different greens as we possibly can and try and get a mixed variety of greens. And then we might also cook up a little bit of kale, a little bit of spinach, and just pop that in there too. So um, we're just trying to get as many different colors as we possibly can, along with good quality proteins, carbs, and fats. And then we usually top that with as many different berries or mango or whatever we whatever we are, are liking at the time or whatever is quite seasonal for us. Like when mango's in season here, I'm all about mango. So we'll put mango in pretty much all of our salads that we have. And then we'll basically top that with maybe maybe we might top the, uh, the silken tofu with a bit of nutritional yeast or even maybe top the whole lot in a little bit of flax or, or create like maybe like a peanut flax type of sauce to put over the top as a bit of a dressing. But we can pretty much do that all from home and we usually find that when we cook from home we can make meals that are you know satisfy us a lot more than actually going out i think going out is usually just a you know more of a social social time for us but we can mm. usually make meals and feel um, like satiated and satisfied just by being at home so that would be a, a typical type of day and then i usually just bulk it out um, you know with my smoothies and and, and bits and other bits and pieces throughout the day to try and get me around that you know, 3,700, 3,800 calorie mark, but all from plant food. Sounds delicious. I want to be eating at your house. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Kayla, to be honest, I can't take all the credit for, for all the delicious food that's made. Kayla does make like her, her lunches and her dinners are, are a pretty, a pretty next level. So I'll usually cook if, uh, if Kayla's out late and then, you know, my, my, my meals might be like, you know, an Ezekiel bread with a bit of oat butter and then some, you know, some chopped tempeh on top of that. And then I'm like, oh, this is, this is pretty good. And then I'll, you know, I'll just add some, add some seared, seared uh, or very lightly, lightly cooked kale on the side and, and a handful of berries and then I'm done. So it's super simple, but she's pretty extravagant and she makes a lot of good food. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, this way of living and eating isn't rocket science and that, you know, considering your athletic abilities, which we'll talk about in a minute, you don't have to eat some complicated diet and you don't have to spend tons of money on loads of different things. You just need to eat a diverse diet. Um, Obviously, you know, it's depending on where you live in the world, it can be difficult to eat and get fresh fruits and vegetables. So, you know, in some places, there is a bit of a barrier for people to eat healthy and to have a varied diet. But, you know, you can live on rice and beans and, you know, some greens, you know, that if you are like struggling financially, it is possible to live a healthy, vibrant diet on that and a few pieces of fruit, you know, every day. So this rhetoric that, you know, being vegan or plant-based is expensive, I think is, uh, is nonsense. But um, going on to sort of fitness and health, you um, have won the title of Australia's fittest man multiple times. Uh, you're also an Ironman finisher. How important is it, do you think, that uh, athletic advocates kind of start talking about plant-based diets more publicly because just because of the, the health and fitness kind of, you know, positives that you can get? Yeah, totally. Well, I think the, the probably the, um, I guess, the stigma that's attached to, you know, the vegan uh, movement or the plant-based diet is that you're going to be you know, you're going to get weak, you're barely going to be able to survive, you're going to be living off grass, you're not going to have any energy to do anything. Therefore, you 100%, you can't live a regular lifestyle doing it. And you most certainly can't be, you know, a world-class athlete by doing it either, where it's really, you know, it's kind of the opposite. We were designed to eat plenty of plant food and, and we need a lot of these vitamins and minerals to support the way that our body functions. When I look at things, I want to be able to perform at my absolute best day in, day out right now. But then I also want to have longevity with the rest of my life too. Like I probably won't be competing at, you know, at either the CrossFit Games or, or, or that level by the time I'm 80 years old. So I still want to be able to function and be healthy and have strong tendons and have a, a strong, uh, capable mind and body when I'm old. And so, by looking at all the studies and research and all the podcasts and all the anecdotal bits and pieces that you find throughout the internet these days, you, you do need to have, you know, a wide variety of different, different things to help combat disease and um, like degeneration. So, I think if we have advocates that are, you know, are pushing the limits in terms of human performance in the world arena and depending on which type of sport, whichever sport it may be, whether it's strength or endurance or gymnastics or, you know, even race car driving, whatever it may be. If we have people in these areas, high-performing people that are doing things that are, you know, a very small percentage of the population can actually do and they're doing it on a plant-based diet, they're showing people that the age-old tale that you need meat to be able to perform and to be strong and to be healthy and to be, you know, a real man or whatever it may be, that is completely wrong. It's showing people that you can do it and it's showing people that all you need to do is, is have confidence in the process, have confidence in your choice and take the time to, you know, to look at the foods that are going to supply you with the best nutrients in the world. And that doesn't need to come from, you know, killing an animal. Mm, absolutely. Um, speaking of kind of, you know, information and how we should put things out there, there's the uh, Game Changers film that came out last year. Um, mm-hmm. I assume you've seen it. <laughs> I have. I have definitely. Yeah. How do we kind of, how do we approach this sort of situation where we've got this incredible film with all these incredible people in it and oh, there's so much kind of backlash 
towards it. But yet the film is such a positive thing for human beings, for our society, for the environment. I mean, as someone who lives this lifestyle and is involved in this in this athletic world, I mean, do you feel a sense of frustration that something like The Game Changers has received such a heavy backlash or are you just not surprised by that? Well, I'm not particularly surprised only because I think so many people are out there looking for, you know, to create clickbait and, you know, regardless of whether they, you know, believe what they're saying or not, people will always like to go against the grain no matter whether the thing that you're, you know, possibly promoting or the thing that you're doing is going to, you know, be a really good thing for the planet and for other people, more importantly, other people. I think I think no matter what you do, even if it's positive, people will always find a way or some people, not all people, I think, you know, most of the population around the world are good. Everyone, like most people are good. That's the way I see it. But um, there are a few people that would, you know, just like to create a bit of controversy, you know, just to get an, up, an extra couple of clicks on their, on their YouTube channel or get an extra bit of exposure through the media or, or whatever it may be, um, just to be going against the grain and saying, look, this is, complete, this is a complete lie or they want to sell another ebook or something like that. So it's not surprising. I think a lot of people are just chasing the dollar. And, you know, I think that's a big reason as to why we've been taken down the path of, you know, you have to eat animal products like this is the healthy option because there's such a, an exuberant amount of money in in doing that for you know a very small few people around the world if you look at the big grand scale of things and also if you even look at the medical the medical and and, and health industry it's just like well we can cure probably a lot of our chronic disease and a lot of our ailments and a lot of our pains and, and niggles just by you know having a healthier diet i don't think a lot of the, you know, big farmer or anyone like that is going to, mm. you know, want to tell people, That's hey, true. you can actually you can actually decrease a lot of your chronic disease. You don't need drugs yeah, or pills or anything like that. But people are profitable, aren't they? Like to be to be ill is almost to be profitable to the pharmaceutical industry. Well, that's exactly right. And I think no matter where you go and look at things and, you know, hopefully things are changing and I think they are. I think there's been a lot of really good a lot of really good positive things that's definitely come out of game changers, definitely more than the negative. 100% agree that there's more positive change um, than the negative. And you always get a little bit of negative no matter what you do. But I think that it's always been people have always wanted to, you know, chase chase that extra dollar, no matter whether it's good or bad for the environment or other people or, you know, the next generation. I think a lot of people, a lot of people look at, at the acute benefits. And yeah, that's always going to happen in a very small amount. And hopefully we can, you know, lead it on to a, a bit of a change yeah so one 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 kind of uh, challenger of the game changers and the plant-based lifestyle is joe rogan um joe has a you know multi-million person audience um and he recently got chris Cresser, who's a i believe a doctor of acupuncture so not even a, a specialist in nutrition not a doctor or nutritionist or a dietitian on his show to debunk the game changers and he spent you know several episodes i think with chris Cresser talking about the debunking of the game changers which really reinforced Joe's narrative about how plant-based diets aren't adequate. But then the amazing uh, James Wilkes came on to the show along with Chris Cresser and spent a whopping four hours talking about <laughs> the game changers and essentially slamming the the, the commentary from Chris Cresser in, in, in every way possible. And, you know, it, and, J and Joe was actually, to his credit, really impressed by James and went on his Instagram and said how incredible it was, uh, how, you know, James put across his points and it was fantastic. And he was actually considering removing Chris Cress's episodes and he'd never done that before. Unfortunately, a few months later after that, we still haven't seen a removal of Chris Cress's episodes, but it's just incredibly frustrating. We live in a world where people who have the arrogance and the ego to be able to stand up and talk on a subject they really are not qualified to speak on, reach the minds of millions of people. It's very frustrating that we live in this world. And yes, of course, it's a, it's a level playing field where everyone has access to the internet, but it does put us in a place where, you know, the millions of people out there, the masses, they don't know who to believe, you know, and I think we have to reinforce the message to people that we need to believe the experts, people who have been studying and practicing and and uh, experimenting in these areas for, for decades, for, for centuries. The medical profession is an important part of our lifestyle. We can't just sort of discredit it because we, you know, we feel a sense of like, you know, I can understand why people are afraid to to trust the medical facilities because of the things like big pharma and the med, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. But it has, in a way, I guess, tainted uh, the truth for people. But 
that's by the by. Uh, I think you know we we just all need to keep pushing the message uh, and and just living living by example, like just showing people and proving to people that we can be strong and healthy and fit. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, to be honest, I think no matter let's just no matter which diet you do, if you're lazy about that diet you aren't going to be working optimally. You're probably going to have days where you feel fatigued, you feel under the weather, you feel you know weak and tired. No matter what you do, if you're not diligent with what you put into your body, you're not going to feel great. I think if people could just start looking at the quality of food that they're putting in, if you can try and get, like make sure you're washing washing your, your fruit and veg or you know buying organic where it's non-sprayed, things like that, trying to get you know, as many different medicinal mushrooms into your diet as you can and eat a wide variety of, of different greens and not just the same greens every day. Like greens are great, but, you know, swap them around. Don't just have spinach all the time and load up on that, you know, swap it and get some kale and then get some lettuce and then get, you know, some some Swiss chard or something like that. You know, just get a, a wide variety of, of different things into your diet and be diligent and you'll start to feel really, really, really good. Like the good thing about, and you know, props to Joe on being able to get James Wilkes on there to, you know, rebut what uh, Chris Cresser had to say, which I think was fantastic. I just don't think Chris maybe thought that he would ever have to back up what he was saying, and therefore maybe got a little ahead of himself with some of the statements that he made. That and then when James is just like, hey, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna say this about, I'm just gonna come back at you with you know all of the the studies and research, and I'm just gonna pull it apart. You know, I think that was a good thing that Joe allowed James to do that, and I think it also allows people to understand that if you want to put yourself out in the limelight and you know you know rattle off a bunch of so-called facts that you know you swear is gospel. You may have to back up these claims and if you're, if you're going to do that, then you, you better know your stuff. And I think James has, you know, spent the time, obviously he spent thousands of hours of doing research and he had multiple people backing up what he was finding in the studies that he was researching. You'd never want to pick a battle with someone who's prepared to go to, you know, to walk around <laughs> the world looking for research like that. You know, it's just like good on James him. Is a, James is a fighter, isn't he? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yeah, in every, in every way. I think it's epic. I, I really in, enjoyed the amount of effort. I, I, I love seeing someone be so passionate about what they really believe and, and, you know, doing something really good for the planet, which is I think we all need to, you know, make a move towards doing things that are better for the planet. Otherwise, you know, it's going uh, to be a sorry state for the next generations. Absolutely. And this is something that I get, you know, quite fired up about is that you have these meat advocates and we could talk about the carnivore diet, uh, but I think we'd need a whole hour to take (laughs) down those people. But I I think what really fires me up about this is that it's the amount of selfishness and self-centeredness that the people who advocate and talk about this way of eating really are getting out there into the world, putting out into the world. You know, we know that animal agriculture is a leading cause of greenhouse gas emissions, you know, species extinction, ocean dead zones, river acidification, deforestation. There is nothing good about farming animals, you know. And even when people say, oh, but grass-fed this and grass-fed that, if the whole world started eating grass-fed beef, what would happen? We would run out of land. We would need three earths to be able to feed all of humanity grass-fed beef. Not everyone can afford to go to Whole Foods and buy grass-fed beef. You know, it's a it's a food of the privileged, and it always has been. And this is the thing: is people don't understand uh, the power they have sometimes and the damage they're doing to our world by just going, "Oh, we're going to go against the vegans and the plant-based people because you know they need a, a nemesis, and I want to be different, and I want to stand out, and I want to dig my heels in." Even though the science shows that a whole food plant-based diet is the only diet that can stop and reverse the leading causes of death in human beings, so. You know, the science is there, so we just need to keep at it. But that's uh, again, uh, we could talk about that for a whole hour or two. Oh, totally, um, and and I can I completely agree with what, exactly what you just said. Like that is, you know, that all of those points that people just need to look at and take on board. And I think this is what I did for such a long time was, I think if most people had the opportunity, let's just say everybody, uh, and it was you know it was a rule or a a requirement that everyone had to go spend, you know, half a day um, once a year out at a farm and hang around some some baby animals, 
I think a lot of people would change the way that they look at, you know, the, the meat that they're eating if they were to go spend some time with some animals. It's just that we're so disconnected. Nobody has that relationship or care anymore. Whereas for me, I just, I, I, I've always loved animals. I never wanted to see an animal in pain. But, you know, I was still eating meat and still eating animal products just because I was purposely shying away from ever watching any videos towards that, ever going out to a, you know, an abattoir or going and seeing actually what happens and seeing how the animals are treated. I think if everyone was, you know, shown a very small snippet and not to not to really specifically upset them, but just understand like go and hang out with a, a, a baby pig for, for half a day and then I think you'd find that most people would just make the switch there and then on the spot. And, you know, that's what I did. I was like, if I'm shying away from this, there's obviously a reason why I'm shying away from watching this. Therefore, I don't, I should not be eating this. And then that's when I made my decision. When I was sitting in my car and I looked across and I saw, I saw a truck full of sheep that were crammed in and they had no space and they were pushed right up against the sides and they didn't have any room to move around. I was like, and I couldn't even better look at it. I looked quickly turned my head away and I was like, this is not right. We shouldn't be doing this. And I literally just said that was, that was pretty much it. Now I'm done. <laughs> and that, and then I think if most people got to see exactly what was going on, they would also make the switch too. We just need to, you know, I think what you're doing with, with plant-based news is, you know, spreading the word and, and showing people that for one, you can be healthy. It's good for the environment. And two, it's not great for the animals. Like, you know, it's, it's, we need to look at their their quality of life too. Just because you can speak English and, you know, create a sentence doesn't mean that you're any better than the animal that's walking around in the paddock that's, a, you know, mm. you know, waiting to be slaughtered. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's this misunderstanding that human beings are special, that we are more important than any other living being on this planet. Um, unfortunately, we're at a time where less than 4% of the biomass of so the living animals and organisms on this planet are wild animals. Humans have essentially spread across the entire surface of the earth desecrating, destroying, and consuming everything in their wake, in our wake. Um, I often describe human beings as an invasive parasitic species. Um, we're very much like uh, some kind of parasite that invades um, a beautiful garden, coming and eating and consuming and destroying everything in our path. Um, obviously, that's an incredibly depressing uh, view on our species. And, and, you know, when you look at the reality of the situation, it is pretty depressing. The plastic, the, the deforestation, you know, the damage to our, our oceans. But, you know, we do have the opportunity to feel compassion, the opportunity to be kind, the opportunity to grow and develop as who we are. So maybe yesterday we may have been thoughtless and mindless and then tomorrow we can become awake and we can become kinder and more conscientious. Now, obviously, you've done this, like being a young man growing up in Australia. In Australia, people think that meat is like oxygen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, you know, meat and air are synonymous, that you cannot live without meat. And to not eat meat is very un-Australian, I've heard it said many times. How have you dealt with that? Because I can imagine when you said that you were vegan, you must have got a lot of backlash from people. Yeah, and I kind of put it off for a good couple of months, few months before I kind of actually said that uh, I was going about this way just because I didn't want to do it and then the very next day say hey everyone this is what I'm doing I wanted to do it and I wanted to you know really feel it out and um and I was going to continue doing it regardless um just because of you know some greater causes but yeah totally I've had a lot of people say that you're not going to be able to you know compete well anymore you're not going to be you're going to lose a lot of strength you know you're going to wither away but you know at the end of the day I'm doing it for a lot more than just my athletic pursuits and I think you know, we're all just taught as we're growing up that, you know, a healthy balanced meal looks like a bit of meat, a bit of salad and a bit of carbohydrates on a plate. Like that's how you break your meal up. And if you do this constantly, you'll be healthy. And, and if you're healthy, you'll be happy. So it's just the, what is associated with those things. And it's retraining people to look at things from a different perspective and it's you know it's just getting them out of the routine it's just the routine that everyone when, when you go to school this is what your teacher tells you to do this is what your mum and dad tell you to do all the people that are influencing you as you grow up and as you learn they're all directing you towards a particular way of life that they learned and then they learn prior to them 
So if we can, you know, go against the grain just a little bit here um, at this point in time and start showing people that, okay, we need to take into a lot more, uh, we need to take into consideration more than just our own health here. It's, it's definitely health, but it's also the way that our planet is reacting to it. It's the way that uh, we're treating the animals and, and how that impacts the environment as well. Um, so it's more than just how you feel on a day-to-day basis to what goes on your plate, but it's a bit more than that. And, and if, if we could start bringing out more studies and more, more education and making it a part of the curriculum as we're growing up, then you start to get parents and teachers, you know, shedding some light with the children that are coming through. So it's like, hey, look, like eating a, a plant-based diet and, and having this as a, you know, you know, lots of leafy greens as part of a, a healthy balanced diet with, a, a, you know, a bunch of nuts and seeds and legumes is going to, you know, keep the planet healthy as well as you healthy at the same time rather than the rhetoric that we've heard since we were, you know, five years old that you need meat on your plate for it to be healthy. It's just retraining, retraining the, the programs that we have in place. And now obviously talking about being vegan, you know, people come to the movement or become plant-based for many different reasons. You've obviously expressed your care for the animals and the environment um, and the positive impact for plant-based diet is more important now than ever. We're obviously seeing a climate breakdown, a climate crisis, which is having a terrifying uh, impact on our planet. As an Australian, you guys are in the thick of the worst bushfires in history. What's it like being there at the moment? Like, have you witnessed any of the fires and the sort of breakdown of, of, of the situation? Like, yeah. how is it? Yeah, it, it has actually been, you know, one of the worst, you know, times that we've had in Australia in a very, very long time. Um, you know, we, I didn't get to see any fire face-to-face, but we had a lot of smoke. We had Kangaroo Island, which is only 90 minutes from where I live. That burned very, very badly um, for a very long time. And we got, had a lot of smoke over the, over the top of Adelaide where I live um, for a few days. Sydney and Melbourne had an, a lot of smoke for a, a long time as well. It was crazy. It's like there are a lot of factors that go into why it's burned so bad. Um, but definitely, you know, you can't overlook climate change and what we're doing to the planet is, you know, obviously contributing. And then, you know, you've got a lot of people just saying, oh, no, it's just because we haven't backburned in so long. But, you know, to be honest, I think even if we had done a lot of that, yeah, it may have stopped a little bit of it. But the way that we're, we're going about particular things, it definitely needs to be changed. And, you know, for Australia at the moment, just with, you know, loss of life and loss of land and loss of forestation and habitat for a lot of animals it's just like okay what are we what are we actually doing and where do our priorities lie do our priorities lie chasing the dollar or do our priorities lie creating a place where we can actually sustain living um and i think we need to look at it from uh from a different standpoint than what's you know previously been looked at it must be very difficult though with a government that is uh pushing the narrative that humanity needs fossil fuels that you know i think you're PM Prime Minister is, is is opening coal mines, and you know Australia is one of the highest polluting countries in in the world per capita per person, and you know there doesn't seem to be any signs of things slowing down. But I mean, is there? Have you noticed a difference in you know in the mainstream media? Are more people talking about a plant based diet being a solution to climate change? Are there any meaningful conversations going on as you know about this being one of the uh, you know a really important solution to the problem? Yeah, totally. Um, we had a, a film, I'm not sure if you've seen it, 2040. I haven't seen 2040. When is that? Is that, that a... Yeah, it's a film that's made by an Australian guy and he did it. Basically, what he did was he looked at, you know, um, what the world would look like if we were to implement all the things that we have at our fingertips right now. It couldn't be anything that wasn't already created or invented if we were to put them into place right now, what the world would look like in 2040. And it was an absolutely amazing film and it should be in every school's curriculum for every child to watch. But I think what's happening is people like James Wilkes with Game Changers and um, this 2040 film, I think more people are starting to realize the effects of what we're doing by burning lots of fossil fuels and the way that we're treating our environment and the way that we're you know, polluting our oceans and the land that we live on. And then there are educational films like these that are coming out and showing people 
look, we, we can do it differently. Here is a solution. Uh, here is one, one way to combat a lot of what we're doing. And there's millions of other ways we can also be doing it as well. I think it's actually bringing to light more people really resonating with the fact that they need to do something. And, you know, for, for the guy that created 2040, he's just like, I want to do this for my daughter. So he created this film and it's absolutely amazing. And it had an impact on me. Um, I watch it every time I jump on a, a long haul flight and I just continue to rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it just because it's so insightful and it's so, um, it makes me happy because a smile on my face it's like, wow, we could actually do that. We have the ability to do that and make the change. And I think if anything, it's getting people to talk about that and, and more films and more documentaries like the ones that have just been recently released will get more people to access them via the internet and view them, watch them, and change the way that they think about it, which is fantastic. It looks like an incredible film. I'm just looking at the website and just feeling like this could be this could be something that people could do with for a bit of inspiration. And I think this is this is the trouble that we are in. You know, we we see a very dark future ahead of us. And you know, if we do become a bit too depressed and misanthropic and angry about the future, you know, we won't dream of a better future into reality. We do have to remember that each of us has the power to bring reality into fruition. We are manifesting our lives you know, right in front of us, you know, everything, all our choices, every, all, all our thoughts or our or purchases, everything that we do is manifesting that future somewhere in the distance. And it is important for us to be and remain hopeful because if we're not hopeful and positive, I don't think there is a future for humanity on this planet, that's for sure. Um, but, but talking about going back to animals, um, you know, billions of animals have lost their lives in this huge fire, 1.8 billion, almost 2 billion animals, probably more, right? It's, it's gone it's gone in huge, huge amounts of press attention and people from across the world of all sorts have been horrified by seeing the beautiful animals, the cute, the cuddly, you know, uh, animals dying in the fires. And it's horrific seeing those animals suffer. But there is a disconnect in our species because farmed animals, some of the most beautiful, gentle, childlike beings you've ever witnessed in your entire life, who wouldn't, many of them who wouldn't harm a fly, are being killed and slaughtered in their billions every single year by human beings in some of the most horrific ways. And if anyone listening hasn't seen Dominion, I recommend the Australian film Dominion because it is an incredible film which just shows and lays bare the atrocity, really, of what farmed animals endure on a on a daily basis or on a, on a moment-to-moment basis. How do you feel about that disconnection between how the world is so upset about what happens, rightfully so, to these beautiful animals in the wild, but then the farmed animals just are forgotten about? They're, they're just food animals, so they don't matter. Exactly. And I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that we can try and push to help people understand that it's not okay. Um, I think, you know, the media gets behind the bushfires and, and, and raising awareness for that, which is absolutely fantastic and I'm so glad that they do. But we also need to understand that, you know, animals that are brought up just for slaughter, they're going through, you know, they're living you know, hell on earth like every day, day in, day out, and yet it doesn't grab half as much or quarter as much media attention as anything, you know, you have some people out there doing some really good things and bringing it to light, but that only reaches so many people. I, I think, you know, it's, it's overlooked and it's shied away from because it's not a good site. People don't particularly want to go seek, seek it out because for one, they're in their comfort bubble and they don't want to, you know, you know, they're stressed with work and they're stressed with their relationship and they're stressed with everything else that's going on in life. In their head, they don't want to have to go and deal with another stress and that, you know, might be changing their diet or the way that they see things or the way that they view the world or, or you know, taking on the burden of having to worry about these other animals as well as everything else that they're dealing with. I think we're so stressed in day-to-day life with everything else that's going on. People have a very limited amount of extra capability to handle anything else. So, if, if we were to just try and become a little bit more conscious about what is actually happening and, you know, making a very small change that's not going to, you know, it's not going to put your bucket, it's not going to overflow your bucket, but it might even actually decrease your bucket. You'll get up feeling a lot better by doing it. It's just bringing awareness and being a bit more conscious about what you're doing and trying to treat every other animal on the planet with an equal amount of respect and empathy. And I think, you know, by what what a lot of places like uh, 2040 and what you guys are doing at plant-based news i think you know bringing awareness to what is actually going on and sharing it with as many people as possible 
and you know we're not enforcing it on anyone but just showing showing them what's actually happening and you and if people can actually open their eyes and see what's going on in front of them and and making the making the move to you know a more plant plant based diet we're going we're going to be doing a good thing for everyone it's not just it's not just for yourself it's just, it's for everyone and it's for the generations that haven't even been born yet as well for us it's not about teaching people to avoid stress entirely it's more about letting them deal with stress in better ways and giving them practices that they can do very simply day to day that only take a few minutes to help them reduce their stress bucket. Before I let you go, um, I always like to ask my guests this one final question. If you were trapped on a desert island and it was just you and a pig, obviously you're vegan, you're not going to eat the pig, the pig's your <sighs> <No>. friend. <laughs> yes, you've correct. got 25 years with a beautiful creature because pigs live up to 25 years. Yeah. Um, if I gave you one vegan dish, one music album and one book, what would you take with you? Ooh, one vegan dish. I would have to take an avocado mousse. I would make an avocado mousse and that's what I'd take with me. Around my house for most of the year, not just uh, like around, you know, uh, like a, a Disney release or anything like that, we constantly play Disney around the house just because we think the dogs love it and Kayla loves it. So, I'd probably have to take a, a Disney mix to be honest. Like, it would just, it would probably keep a smile on my face. <laughs> Brilliant. So, I would probably have to take, if I was to take one book with me, oh, that's a, that's a tough one out of all the, out of all the books. It's really interesting. I, I probably, you know, one of the original books that I started, uh, that actually I've just started getting really, really into, and this is, you know, it's actually a vegan-based one, was the Brendan Brazier Thrive. That was, you know, obviously I'm on a desert island. I probably don't have a lot. Um, but, you know, that, that book was, you know, quite insightful and I love learning. I, I usually try and prefer to read things that are going to, you know, teach me something rather than, you know, just, uh, you know, a story tale. Um, so I'd probably take something that was going to, you know, stimulate me and, and get me learning, even though I've already read it, I'll probably read it again. Amazing. Mr. James Newby, thank you so much for joining us on the PBN podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thank you so much. I've been your host, Robbie Lockie. We'll be back next time with more veganism, health, fashion, technology, fitness, and everything else in between. <laughs>